are at the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop. Just finished up a fascinating show. Talked about Napa Valley's history, what makes it such a fabulous place to be growing grapes and making wine. I'm with Patsy McGoy, the communications director of Napa Valley Vintners, and Connor Best, the education manager of Napa Valley Vintners. What do you guys think? Think it went all right? It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Daiquiris were great, Judd. <laughs> not supposed to tell people. I guess we, we, we spilled the beans on the air, but, you know, Napa Valley Vintners, should we be drinking rum cocktails? It's okay. And, and we love talking about this place that's so special to us. Thanks for letting us come on your show. Oh, my pleasure and absolute honor. Yeah, we lo- I love talking about this place and the, this beautiful wine that we make here, and it's just, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Again, my pleasure. So, folks listening, stick around to hear all about what makes Napa Valley rock. In the meantime, I would like to invite you to visit one of the 525 wineries and vintners that the Napa Valley Vintners represents. And, of course, I'm talking about my family's place, Judd's Hill. And we are looking forward to seeing you. We're on the south end of the Silverado Trail in the beautiful Napa Valley. Open daily by appointment. Visiting information is at judshill.com. And while you're online, take a look around. We've got some quirky videos. We've got some wine-related poetry, recipes, and yes, wine. So feel free to see what we've got offered right now. Put some in your shopping cart. And as a special perk for being a listener, type in coupon code JNVS in lowercase letters for Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get 15% off your entire wine order. Not bad, but you can do better. You can join our wine club. You get an even better deal than that. We guarantee fine wines, good times, great stuff. It's all at judshill.com. And in the meantime, enjoy today's show. It's always Finkalicious on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another heap of fascinating things to know. From witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No sales script and no rehearsing Live from a Napa studio You may be that intriguing person On Judd's Napa Valley Show Pardon me, I'll have a Chardonnay A marvelous date, it's hard to say I know we never talk about the Sauvignon Blanc It's a must-have on the podcast It's Judd's Napa Valley Show You can't ease this flow if I elaborate Over a Cabernet, my buddy's the truth You should study my man Juddy and learn something new And now, coming to you from amidst the mysterious and exotic South Seas beauty of Napa Valley's most exclusive cocktail lounge, the Weeky Weeky Grog Shop. Chianti, Riesling, Chardonnay, what kind of wine we gonna have today? Pass that bottle, if you please. I think I'll have a little more Chablis. I'm Puka Punch, a.k.a. Lauren Mole, and here's your host... Chad Finkelstein. Thank you very much, Mr. Lauren Mole. It is a pleasure to be here with you and our guests today in the WikiWiki Grog Shop. And today, there's a lot of territory to cover, quite literally. So we're not going to banter. Lauren, would you please introduce our guests? Sure, Judd. Our show features quirky bits and fine talks. We aim to entertain and knock off some socks. Today on our plate, why this place is so great, we'll see why Napa Valley rocks. Let's welcome, from the Napa Valley Vintners, 
Connor Best, and Patsy McGoy. That's right. Thanks, Lauren Mole. We have Connor Best. You are the education manager of the Napa Valley Vintners. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And Patsy, the communications director for Napa Valley Vintners. Welcome. Thank you. Both Thanks. of you. It's wonderful. Patsy, you've been on the show before some time ago. And uh, lovely to have you back. Thank well, you. Thank you. I've been on the show before, but I've not been in the Tiki Lounge. This is amazing. Oh, you're digging it. Good. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a switch up, isn't it? Yes, it's wonderful. It's a fun place to do a uh, program such as this. Thanks for the invitation. You're welcome. I figure we've been in the studio. We've been we're being <laughs> interrupted. That happens sometimes in the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop. People say some just come in and out. <laughs> That's one of the cocktail waitresses right now. Live radio at the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop. You never know what's going to happen. It's part of the mystery of this room. Well, I'm really glad to have you guys here. And we're we're having, should we even mention this? Uh, since we're, I think we I think have to. People will be jealous, though. I, I, but I kind of feel like, you know, it's Judd's Napa Valley show. You're representing Napa Valley Vintners. We're going to talk plenty well, about wine, but at we're this equal moment. opportunity consumers, Judd. That's right. Here we go. Cheers. 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 We're, we're having daiquiris. <laughs> okay. And they're oh. delicious, I might. Mm. Oh, that's good. Thanks. All right. Got the rum out of the way. Let's talk wine and specifically Napa Valley. Do you want to tell me, give me the nutshell story about Napa Valley Vintners, what that is, why you exist, why I should care, why our, why our listeners should care? The Napa Valley Vintners is a trade association. We were formed in 1944, so more than 70 years ago. And our founding fathers included some names uh, people who know Napa Valley might recognize, like Robert Mondavi, uh, Louis Martini, John Daniel Jr. And uh, the trade association was formed on the belief that the vintners could be stronger and more successful together than they could by themselves. As you might know, the uh, wine industry, especially the American wine industry in 1944, was uh, pretty fledgling. We'd just come out of Prohibition, and uh, Napa Valley was uh, more about other agricultural products like cattle and prunes and uh, Lots of prunes. I always hear prunes come up when you talk Napa yeah. Valley history. Absolutely. So the idea of turning this place into a great wine region uh, at that time was, uh, you know, seemed like a little bit of an unusual idea. So these seven vintners got together and decided that they uh, wanted to form an association, and that's how the NVV was born. And so today, 70 years later, we have 525 wineries as our members. Wow. But our mission remains to promote protect and enhance this amazing place that we're all so lucky to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. I, I count myself not only among your members, but a lucky person yes, to be here for uh, almost 40 years now. Wow. And that's it's, it's yeah, I, that's what I say. <laughs> and I'm not even that old, which is crazy. <laughs> How does that happen? It's the red wine. You're, you're going to yeah. be an old timer you here pretty soon. Soon enough. Soon enough. I've already been looking on the ARP page because they have great discounts. I don't know. Do you have to be a certain age to join? Because I'd like to get in on some of those discounts. I, I anyway, you, I think you need to be 50, but we digress. Okay. Well, soon enough, soon enough. Well, you said to promote and protect Napa Valley as an appellation, which is a place. And Napa Valley is a very special place. Absolutely. Yes. We know this. I want to get into why that is today. Do you guys have an amazing program presentation you put on called Napa Valley Rocks? I've witnessed it several times. Connor, I've seen you do it triumphantly, your enthusiasm, your energy. I may have given it a couple times. Yeah, you know, but you're but good. it's always fun to give. You make it seem like 
it's the first time and you're still excited about it. And I truly believe well, you it's must hard be. not to be excited about the place. It's great. Well, let's talk about why Napa Valley is, and I'll just say this right now, the greatest place in the world to grow wine grapes and make wine. Yeah, and I think that's the key of it. And I think anyone who's working in the wine industry here, or even people who just live here in the Valley and kind of interact with the wine business knows that there is something really special about this place. There's just something that's not replicated any other place in the world. And I think that thing that makes it so special is that, that unique terroir, that unique mix of the soil, the climate, the people that really make Napa Valley special and work and produce wines of the highest quality. And I think that's what Napa Valley Rocks does. It explores each of those in succession. And um, that's why it's so much fun to give because it's a great exploration of what we do. Well, it's really fascinating. I mean, from my perspective, sure, I can see on the surface that here in Napa Valley, we have the talent, we have the know-how, we have the technology to make great wine, but quite literally it goes deeper than that. I mean, the place, the geography, the geology, and as I hear more about it, I just am fascinated by this. And in fact, I, I even gave my own Napa Valley Rocks presentation in Bordeaux, France a couple months ago. Wow. It was phenomenal. I was um, asked to talk about wine. It was part of a Judd's Hill Wine Club trip we were in France. A part of it was a river cruise, and the folks on the cruise said, well, can you talk about um, some of the differences? Compare and contrast Bordeaux and Napa Valley, which that's a tall order. I mean, the, Bordeaux is a huge area compared to Napa Valley, yet they're often compared. Uh, I didn't know much about Bordeaux, but the more research and homework and people I spoke to, I thought, my goodness, there are really some amazing differences, and they both have their merits for sure. But Napa Valley has this, well, you mentioned terroir. You know, why am I talking? You're the one who's going to give this. So, but, I, but I was able to give this presentation, maybe not as fabulously as you do, but I, start talking, man. I, wanna, I want you to tell me and tell the listeners why Napa Valley is so awesome, starting from under the ground, the history, everything. You know, humans, and go. humans have been making wine here in the Napa Valley for about 150 years now. But the Not story, that long. Well, 150. I mean, not that well. When I was in Bordeaux, they were sure. they're, they're they're, going yes, back over not a thousand that long years. compared to Bordeaux. But yeah. when you look back at the eons in the geology of the valley, it's it's all been in the making for over 150 million years. Just yeah. think about that. And so, where we are in the Napa Valley wasn't even a place 150 million years ago. Um, the continent basically started around the border of Nevada, and over the last 150 years, the coast has, through geologic processes of earthquakes and volcanoes and erosion and mm. deposits, um, has created this place called California. And most specifically, it's created this place called Napa Valley. And we find ourselves kind of at the confluence of three major geologic things that happened. Volcanic activity that formed the volcanic rocks here. Great valley sequence, which is sedimentary rock that we find here. And then bits of the ocean floor scraped up called Franciscan formation that all kind of come together in the Napa Valley to create this hugely diverse set of soils within a very small region. In fact, we have 33 different soil series here, and we have six of the 12 recognized soil orders all found in this little valley that's about 30 miles long, and the valley itself is about five miles wide. I'm told that this is more than diversity. half 
half of the world's soil orders can are, be found right here. Are in found Alabama. here exactly. It's a huge diversity, and it's not just diversity of soil that makes this stuff so great. It's also the diversity of climate. Being close to the Pacific Ocean and being close to San Pablo Bay, we get a lot of influence from the ocean that doesn't necessarily happen 20 miles to our east in the Great Valley, the Great Central Valley. But because we are located so close to the ocean, we get uh, some the cool air coming in at night, and we also get the warm days. And so there's a great diversity of climate here. And as we all know, if you're driving up Highway 29 on a hot day like today, it could be 80 in Carneros and it could be 90 something in Calistoga. And if you go up the hillsides, it's gonna be a little bit cooler than it is in Calistoga. So it's this amazing diversity of climates and soils that make the place so special. It's mind boggling when you think about what goes into affecting the quality of a wine from the variety to the yeast that's used, the barrel, I mean, on and on and on. But to take it that far to the temperature that the grapes were grown in and what type of soil. Whereas when I was doing this homework, you know, in Bordeaux, they've got about a thousand or more years of figuring out. And they really only have, of the main soil types, there's two. They've got on the left bank, the nice gravelly soil, and on the right bank, um, the, the clay, which is great for Merlot, on the left bank, good for Cabernet. And they have figured out over these millennium what to do where. Now, you mentioned 150 years, which sounds like a lot. But since I've done this homework, to me, that sounds like nothing. I mean, how do you even begin to start figuring this out? Well, you experiment. I mean, you I mean, experiment. I think we're getting there. That's kind of one of the most beautiful things about the Napa Valley and about the U.S. kind of wine system is that we are allowed to experiment. And think about it, a lot of the early knowledge about our winemaking, whether we're talking the 1800s with immigrants coming in to the valley and starting to make wine, or whether we're talking about the 1930s when Andre Telechev comes into the valley from France to make wine, they're bringing this knowledge from Europe. But then they arrive here and they kind of have this blank slate mm -hmm. where they can just make wine and they can experiment and then kind of do what they want. They're not inhibited by a lot of the Appalachian laws that are in Europe. So they were allowed to experiment. They learned a lot fast. And when you combine that with being so close to a worldwide reputation university called UC Davis and other universities around here that kind of produce the technology and the science behind winemaking and viticulture, kind of put those two together and you we learn how to make the wines really fast and I think really well. Well, I'm sure, really well. Now, you mentioned UC Davis and they are actively within the Valley. They have research stations set up in vineyards. They're taking a look at the geology, the temperature, the climate of different vineyards, what varietals are growing there, and, and then what is this going to tell us? Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk a little bit about is how Everything we're mentioning in terms of Napa Valley rocks is based on science. You know, I said early on that we had this group of seven founding fathers mm -hmm. who um, helped to create the Napa Valley Vintners in 1944. And those early Vintners, as, as Connor has mentioned, knew that there was something really special about this place. But um, it wasn't until uh, the early 2000s that we actually did some scientific research to look at the soils and the climate and the geology and the topography of the Napa Valley and really try to define what is it that makes this place so special and when we talk about science and education and, and entities like UC Davis 
there is the opportunity to really investigate and understand scientifically what are the things that make Napa Valley unique. And so I think that the work of uh, an organization and an educational institution like UC Davis really give our vintners and our growers in the Napa Valley that scientific foundation to help them to grow great grapes and to make the best possible wine. It's not just, you know, flying by the seat of your pants here. There is, there is science right. behind this as well. Well, you've got to have, you do have to have the science. I mean, winemaking is is a profession that really brings a great, what am I trying to say here? It's a, a blend, if I may use a winemaking term, of science and art. You've got to have the science. You've got to know, I mean, certainly you have to know your microbiology and your chemistry, and now more and more soil science, climate science coming into it. And then there's the artistry, figuring out, okay, well, how is that going to affect the quality, the flavors of the grapes and the resulting wine and then being able to craft that. So it, it's, it's kind of fun when you can have the science factor and the human factor and it, I think it makes it eternally intriguing because there's no single right way to do something. You kind of take the facts, which science, and then you put your own personal artistry onto it and beautiful wine is made. Well, in a way, isn't that the definition of terroir? It's the yeah. soils, it's the climate, it's the sure. people, it's all those factors coming together. And as uh, we've been talking about, Napa Valley is so blessed and so fortunate to have all three of those things right here in our one small little little valley. <laughs> Indeed. Well, do you want to get back to some of the geography and the geology and the diversity that we've got here, Connor? Absolutely. So I think one of the things that might be interesting for Connor to talk about are the 16 nested AVAs within the valley and that how, how that so nicely represents some of the diversity. Yeah, and I guess first kind of just talk a little bit about what an AVA is. I mean, an AVA stands for an American Viticultural Area, which is something that the federal government recognizes. The, in fact, the Treasury Department recognizes, and they come in and they kind of analyze an area and say, we recognize that this area is important for wine grapes. It's distinct geologically, geographically, historically, culturally. It's a unique and important wine growing area. And so not only is Napa Valley a unique AVA, um, in fact, it was the first AVA in California recognized back in 1981, but within the Napa Valley, there are 16 sub or nested AVAs, 16 distinct regions within the Napa Valley that are all recognized by the federal government as being unique. And it's, um, they're all important in their own right. And I think that just really speaks mm. to the diversity. You yeah. go up to Calistoga and anyone who drives up and down 29 knows that Calistoga is very different than say Yontville, very different than Carneros. Yeah. And that's go both goes for soil, daytime high temperatures, how much rain they get. I mean, there's so many different areas of the valley that are each, um, I mean, recognized by the government as being unique and important and distinctive in their own right. And they all produce very different wines. Well, this is true. And uh, to understand what you just mentioned is crucial to appreciating Napa Valley wine. I can't mm -hmm. tell you how many times I've either been out at events or even people in our own tasting room where we might pour a couple different, or even in our bottle blending day camp. This is a good example, I think, where we let people put together their own blends and we often will have two different Cabernet Sauvignons out of our barrels. Same vintage year, but from different places within mm -hmm. the valley. And I, I can't tell you how many times people say, well, why do you have that? What's, why bother? What, what's the difference? I said, well, you're about to taste the difference because as you just mentioned, place the, is 
so important yeah. to the quality and flavor of wine. And on the most simplistic level, I mean, we have anyone driving up can see vineyards on the mountainsides yeah. and the fruit produced on those mountainside vineyards are very different than the fruit produced on the valley floor vineyards. And then the valley floor vineyards from north to south all produce very different Cabernet. And even though it's the same exact grape, it's produced in wildly different styles, which is incredibly interesting. And for each vineyard, for each area within the valley, the uh, vineyard managers, they analyze the soils, they analyze the climate, and they're not only deciding, do I want to plant Cabernet here or Merlot here or Chardonnay here, but they're deciding, do I want to plant which type of rootstock here? Mm -hmm. And am I grafting on what clone of Cabernet? And they're using this kind of knowledge, both this hands-on knowledge that they've learned from working with the land over the past 150 years, but also this scientific knowledge coming out of the universities and combining them to figure out what's the perfect combination of rootstock variety and clone of that variety to plant in each specific area. So I think that's a great example of kind of the art and the science blending together right there. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of have to know what your goal is for that site as well, which is, I guess, part of the artistry it could be a little, you know, economics as well. True. You got to have a little of that in there or else what do you got? That's right. Well, we, we People lose be, interest, we gotta, don't we they? We got to have a sustainable business, right? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So, so wow, there's 16 at this point, and are there not petitions right now to add? They're not. No, there's it seems not. like there always are. That's why yeah. I'm, I'm asking the experts about right a now. Few regions, but yeah, yeah, I don't think there's any official there's on the nothing, table now. As Connor was explaining, the process to become an American viticultural area requires um, a group of vintners and growers identifying that a particular area is unique and special. Then mm -hmm. they have to submit some paperwork, also known as a petition, to the uh, Treasury Department's Tax and Trade Bureau, and uh, the TTB um, reviews that paperwork and puts up a period of public comment and. Uh, it's a long process for an AVA to be recognized. At the moment, there are not any AVAs within the Napa Valley that are pending. There are some areas that uh, folks have talked about possibly, um, you know, developing a, an AVA petition for. But at the moment, we're, we're set at 16 nested, and we'll be at 16 at least for the foreseeable future. Okay, well, 16 is quite a lot. If you look at a map of Napa Valley, it's... It's a patchwork quilt. It's yes. a patchwork quilt, and it's a very small place, I mean, geographically, as far as the big world is concerned. We're only about, what, 26 miles north to south? and Five at, miles wide, and 4% of the um, California's grape production in here in Napa Valley. Some people think we're huge, and that's when they think California wine, they automatically think Napa Valley. But we really represent only 4%, and that's 0.04% of the world's wine. So we're a really small place. Wow. And 16 different AVAs to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> when you come. And I know, you're dividing up that 0.04% 16 ways, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Each AVA produces and such some, a small amount of wine. but And folks have their really favorites. And, and there are some very sophisticated palates who, in a blind tasting, can pick out a St. Helena Cabernet from an Oakville Cabernet, from a Diamond Mountain Cabernet. It's, they really are distinct. They are. Well, and that's part of what keeps it interesting. I have a friend who was selling wine for one of our longtime well-known Napa Valley producers, and she said that when she went into a restaurant or a retail store to try to sell, quote-unquote, yet another Napa Valley Cabernet, <laughs> yeah. she had to have a, a way to, um, to, 
you know, have her product be different and be differentiated from other Napa Valley Cabernets that were out there. And I think the proof is in, in the wine itself. When you taste wines, as you were saying, Judd, when you taste wines, same vintage, same variety, but from different places in the valley, it really is different. And that's part of what makes wine so much fun is that exploration and that discovery and what happens when you try different things from different places. Wine is an eternally intriguing pursuit. There's no way to ever know it all. Changes from year to year, place to place. It's very exciting. I, I mean, I've been doing this, well, I mean, second generation here, but grew up doing it and I, I, I can't seem to get bored. Well, it, the other great thing about wine is, is there's not necessarily a right answer. Yeah, true. There's, there's what you like, there's what I like, there's what Connor likes, and none of us is right. We just have different opinions and that's what makes it fun. Absolutely, and to know wine, I tell people, drink wine on that note we do have to take a break but we're going to come back we're going to keep talking wine we're going to talk napa valley we've got connor best who is the education manager for napa valley vintners and patsy mcgoy the communication director for napa valley vintners you guys can hang out here in the grog shop right we'll have another couple sips of these daiquiris right yes absolutely all right we'll be back with more of this special judd's napa valley show from the Winky Winky grog shop Right after these messages. At 1440 on your AM dial in Napa and streaming live in the majestic beaches of Honolulu at KVON.com, back to Judd's Napa Valley Show from the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop. Thank you very much, Lauren Mole. That's right, we're at the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop, Napa Valley's most exclusive cocktail lounge. We are enjoying some nice refreshing lime daiquiris here with um, with Connor Best, the education manager of Napa Valley Vintners, and Patsy McGoy, the communications director of Napa Valley Vintners. And we've been talking about Napa Valley and what an amazing place it is to grow grapes, make wine. And we've been talking about, well, I mean, everyone knows it's an amazing place. I mean, that goes without saying, not to toot our own horn too much, but, but we're getting into the why of that. And there really, there really are some great reasons why this is we've heard a little bit of the, the science the geologic history let's hear a little bit uh you want to talk to some human history winemaking absolutely all right i mean I, I find that the most fascinating part is the the interaction between the environment and what is physical here and the humans i mean as we all know winemaking started in the napa valley back in the 1830s 1838 george yant comes over marries general vallejo's daughter and comes over here and gets a land grant from his um, father-in-law mm -hmm. for what is now Yontville and a lot of the what is today the Napa Valley. And he plants the first grapes. And those would have been the mission grapes that came up with the missionaries, with the Franciscan missionaries yeah. up the coast of California. And that's kind of our beginnings of the Napa Valley. But certainly back then it wasn't um, quality wine. It was just kind of homebrew at that point. Yeah. But it wasn't until shortly after the the gold rush that immigrants from Europe and from the East Coast kind of had piled into California. The gold rush played out after a couple of years and they looked around and said, maybe we should um, figure out how to make a living here. And it's not really worth living here if there's nothing to drink, right? And these hills yeah, kind of Yeah, it's a nice place. They probably wanted to hang out for yeah, a while. And they wanted to hang out and the hills looked a little bit like Italy or Germany or wherever they had come from and they decided, let's start planting. Mm -hmm. We need something to drink, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so the first commercial winery was started by Charles Krug in 1861. And that was kind of our foray into commercial wine production here in the Napa Valley. And then it's all, I mean, 
start it from there. And by the 1880s, the Napa Valley wine industry was booming. There were about 140 wineries back then. Imagine that, 1880s. There was 140 by then. Yeah. Wow. It's huge. And it was called kind of the first golden age of Napa Valley wineries. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was that many wineries that early on. And I think something that a lot of people don't realize is that how wine was made and shipped and and enjoyed at that time was a little bit different than today. We think about wine being in bottles, buying it in grocery stores. At that time, most of the wine was produced and shipped in large casks, Mm. and a lot of it went right to San Francisco. So um, that was probably the largest consumer, uh, excuse me, of Napa Valley (laughs) wine at the time. So folks would just drink it right out of the cask, but there were also merchants there who would then, wouldn't they bottle it up themselves and sell it? Uh, to, yeah. to ship around the country. Yep, pop quiz for you. Okay. Who's, who's Uh-oh. the first winery in Napa Valley to start bottling it? The first winery to start bottling wine? Yeah. Putting and really it. producing kind of higher quality wines in the bottles and kind of on the more European model of, of centered around a chateau. Right, right. Okay, well, you already mentioned Charles Krug was the first winery in 1861. So we can't give him credit for two things, right? I got to look no, somewhere someone else. else. Someone else. Someone old, though. Someone old. But uh, still around today. No, I, I would imagine if you come up, if you have that type of innovation, you're going to survive. Oh, let's put wine in bottles and sell it. Well, uh, I know some of the oldies would be maybe a Schramsberg uh, is an oldie. Good um, guess. But... Where uh, Inglenook goes way back. There uh, you got it. I did? Inglenook. Oh, my goodness. Okay. It's the first winery, is, kind uh, of, we call it the first chateau-style winery, kind of making wine um, on the model that they would have used in France, kind of based around a single chateau and vineyards around it and really kind of uplifting or upping the quality of their wines. I should have got and, it from when yeah. you said chateau because it has that chateau-y vibe when yes, you look at it. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. And so, so when, when did this happen? When, when did this discovery take yeah. place that a Napa winery should bottle like their the own late, wine? Late 1870s. Late 1870s, Inglenook yeah. was founded. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, and into the 1880s. And so that was really the golden age of Napa Valley wine. In fact, Gustav Niebaum, the founder of Inglenook, had brought some Napa Valley wine to a World's Fair around that time. And it actually, that was the first judgment where Napa Valley really gained a claim. Yeah. So it's really cool. We were recognized as a quality wine region all the way back then, almost 150 years ago. Wow, thank you, Captain Niebaum. And yeah, but from there, um, all good things come to an end at some point, right? Yeah. And so shortly thereafter... Phylloxera, which we had, was a, a louse that lives in the soil, mostly on the eastern United States in mm. native grapevines. We had exported it to Europe, and it kind of wreaked havoc over there. And you say that like we did it on purpose. We didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> no, there was, sure there was a lot of trade, a, yeah. lot of, a lot of things going back and forth in those days. Right. But it, it hitchhiked on something. It hitchhiked on something to Europe. Unfortunately, yeah. des, um, decimated a lot of vineyards in Europe, and then unfortunately made its way to California in the 1890s yeah. and kind of wiped out our wine industry. In fact, the wine industry here, the planted acreage, went from about 16,000 acreage to 2,000 acreage in 10 years. Say that one more time, 16,000 to 2,000? In about 1890, there were 16,000 acres planted in in Napa Valley. And just to give you a comparison, today there are 45,000 acres. Mm-hmm. So, so 16, a little bit less than half, but still a substantial amount of oh, grapevines yeah, devastating. Then. And then it went down to two. So I mean, the industry was devastated. And following on that, there was the earthquake of 1906, devastated mm-hmm. our biggest market, then World War One, then Prohibition, then Great Depression, and World War Two, And I mean, Napa Valley was kind of down in the dumps for many years. People had forgotten 
how to make wine to some degree. Yeah, you know, back when I was in high school at um, St. Helena High School here in the Valley, that was one of my history projects was Napa Valley during Prohibition. And I've got to dig out this video. And I, I think I know where it is. And I, I need to make a digital copy before it deteriorates on the VHS because I, it was a video. And I went and I interviewed Louis Martini. I went and interviewed Brother Timothy. I interviewed old-time grape grower Ray Rossi up in St. Helena. And these guys all lived through it. They were, you know, the players trying to keep things going during these hard times. And to hear their stories about how they did it and what it took to... Um, Keep Napa Valley thriving during that time is really interesting. That's and fascinating. I'll, I would love to get my hands on that. Yeah, absolutely. I will find it. I'll make a digital copy. I think, you know, I was only a 17-year-old kid, so it's not, you know, it's not artistic in any way. I didn't have my editing chops yet, but uh, really it's mostly static shots of these guys talking, but there they are, and we don't have them anymore, but we have their stories on video. So I will make sure that I, I find that and I get a copy, and the vintners can certainly That would use be very that. cool. Yeah, You mentioned Louis Martini. He started yeah. his winery in 1933, the year Prohibition was repealed. He came up wow. and started making wine. It was legal, and he was an Italian, and that yeah. was only natural. Well, his family was in wine. the business, though, long before that. They were I had Mike Martini on this show, and uh -huh. he told a little history, and folks can look at that at, via the iTunes story. Just scroll back and look for Mike Martini. Hear the whole family story. It's great. Yeah, the family had been in the wine biz, and I, yeah, I think then he saw the opportunity to go off on his own instead mm -hmm. of just being a wine merchant, and... And uh, really fascinating stuff. Continue. I interrupted with my own anecdote, but I, I want to hear what you have to say. Well, yeah. I mean, we're going back, I mean, Louis Martini was started in 33. In the 30s, while it was still a really small industry, but there were some really cool sparks of light happening here in the Napa Valley. I mean, Louis Martini founded his winery, but also shortly thereafter, Andre Telechev, uh, from came to BV, was brought over by Giorgio Latour mm -hmm. and kind of brought an idea of clean winemaking from France oh. and brought the idea of, of using, he certainly wasn't the first, but using a lot of small French oak barrels, clean winemaking, cold stabilization, and all these kind of modern techniques coming out of France. He brought over to the Napa Valley and kind of made them widely accepted here. And then shortly thereafter, John Daniel of inherited Ingle Nook from his great uncle. And so there were kind of three renaissances happening, and there were certainly many more going on at that time. And then shortly thereafter, in the 40s, of course, the Mandavis come over mm -hmm. uh, from Lodi and uh, purchase Charles Krug in the middle of World War II and start making wine. And so those were just kind of flickers of light. And I mean, while the industry really didn't hit its stride till maybe the 60s and 70s, those were some really cool moments along the way. Wow, what what fascinating, fascinating history. I mean, I could listen and listen and listen. I know we've only got a few you know, minutes to have this whole show, or else I'd say just keep talking, keep talking. <laughs> but then you mentioned in the, in the 40s is when the Napa Valley Vintners was founded. What do you think the, the, the spark was? And what do you think, you know, once that was founded, that really started driving Napa Valley to be where we are today? How do we get on the path to being this, you know, world center of wine. I think that slowly but surely there was this discovery of quality and uh, this recognition that this really is a special place. And we see people coming here, um, you know, maybe one or two at a time, but uh, 
Um, you know, in the 1960s, there was an awareness that Napa Valley is a, a, a special place that needed to be protected, and America's first agricultural preserve was established in 1968. Of course, in the mid-1970s, you know, there was just a 40th anniversary celebration of what's been known as the Paris tasting and how Napa Valley and California wines performed very well in a blind tasting against French wines. And then I think at that point, the word was out, and uh, the Napa Valley wine industry kind of built and, and grew. Uh, from there and you know I think that's that's how part of how we got to be where we are today is just that recognition and understanding of the special place and the incredible quality of the wines that are coming from Napa Valley well I know it's great you know it's great how do the Napa Valley vintners get the word out and how are we how are we sustaining that reputation so we participate in a number of marketing and promotional programs internationally. We also bring groups of people here, but our program like Napa Valley Rocks like is- Groups of people, like I, somebody <laughs> could just <laughs> sign up and be like, hey, I, I like to go try some wine and you'll bring them over? Typically the people we're bringing here are folks that are selling wine at their- Oh, uh, people in the industry, in the industry I see, groups. in yes, whatever- thank you for okay. clarifying that. But we bring them here to teach them many of the things that we've just been talking about today, the elements of Napa Valley rocks and, and uh, the, uh, the essential reasons about why Napa Valley is a special place to grow grapes and make wine. And we know that we can't, unfortunately, bring everyone here. So um, we make much of this information Although available. Although weekends driving up to St. Helena, way. you might feel that they are all <laughs> yes, here. Believe it or not, but. they don't actually all all come here. But um, if folks, uh, you know, your, your listening audience is interested in learning more about the Napa Valley and Napa Valley Rocks, they can go to our website, napavintners.com, and they can download videos, they can download the actual presentation Napa Valley Rocks or if they have a tablet they can go to either the Apple Store or the um, the Google Play Store and they can download our new resource uh, called Cultivating Excellence which is a way for anybody to learn about um, the history the soils the climate the people and all the things that uh, that Napa Valley Rocks and Napa Valley is all about I haven't seen this what can you can you tell me a little more how does that work yeah, it's a, it's a iPad app, and actually for Android devices as well, to help people kind of explore either on their own or one-on-one, kind of flip through and learn about the Napa Valley. It's a lot of the same information in Napa Valley Rocks, but Napa Valley Rocks is very much developed as a, as a presentation for a presenter with multiple people. This is kind of meant for a one-on-one or mm. a small group exploration of the Napa Valley. And I mean, we capitalize on, I think, Napa Valley's greatest asset. Well, maybe second greatest asset. Buttercream great, Bakery? Butter, well, third big, great, greatest asset. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I think our biggest asset, of course, is the deliciousness of the wines. Yes. Our okay. second biggest asset here is just how gorgeous the place is, right? Oh, yes. And so I think in all that we do, especially in the app, we concentrate on kind of the beauty of the place because you can't really lick your iPad and taste the wine, but you can flip <laughs> there through your be some iPad. There try. <laughs> yeah, well. You know, it depends how good it, those it's photos that pretty. look. Yeah, it's yeah. that we great. Haven't, but... We haven't mastered that technology yet. <laughs> but we're working on it. Uh, I thought you and the scientists at Google. Yes, absolutely. Self-driving cars. We'll have self-driving wine tasting soon, right? I hope so. I'd like to get some of these folks a little safer on the road. True. So, you know, self-driving Anyway, remind me the name of that. I I didn't write it down. It's Napa Valley Cultivating Excellence. Cultivating, uh, Napa Valley Cultivating Excellence, available now at the App Store. Free download. Free. Yeah. Free. Wow. What else can you get these days for free? Not much. This show. 
Well, oh, that's this true. show at the iTunes. Only just quality for stuff is for free. Judd's Napa Valley show. Well, Thanks. While you're there downloading the show and past episodes of your show, they can check out our app as <laughs> yeah. well. And we've talked a lot about kind of um, the place and what makes the Napa Valley place so special, the soils and the climate. Yeah. But we've also used the term cultivating excellence a mm-hmm. lot during this session. And I think it's worth noting that winemaking is kind of that cultivating because cultivating goes back to that idea of farming where you're taking Mother Nature and you're doing something with it. And I think that's what we're doing here in the Napa Valley. That's what our uh, vineyard managers and our winemakers are doing. They're taking kind of what Mother Nature has given and really cultivated and paid attention to the details mm-hmm. and really taken this perfect climate, this perfect set of soils and made something really delicious out of it. And I think that's kind of the essence of what winemaking is. How do we ensure that Napa Valley remains the place that it is so that we can continue doing this for generations? I think it's kind of twofold. I mean, first of all, it's protecting the place. It's protecting the land for agriculture. It's protecting the environment. It's protecting our way of life here. And that's through programs like Napa Green, Land and Winery, two third-party independent certified programs that are committed to sustainability far and above the minimum government regulations. But it's also a commitment to quality and knowing that if we don't continue to invest in technology and invest in um, the tools that we need to make the highest quality wine, um, others may surpass us. So there's a in within the winemaking community in Napa, there's a dedication to quality winemaking. There's a dedication to always doing something better. There's a dedication to experimenting a little bit this year. So maybe the wine next year could be just a little bit better. And using that new technology coming out of Davis, using that technology coming out of the other universities and really making the best wine possible. So optimistic. And I'm totally with you, but I just love the way you say it. I mean, I, I can't help but just say yes, yes, yes. You mentioned the the green businesses and the green winery program, which is something that we do at Judd's Hill and have participated, got certified several years ago, I think five years ago, and we just uh, got recertified. Very proud to be a member of that. And I think it's important that this has become such a I was about to use the word important again. I try to vary my vocabulary, but I think the rum is now getting to me. But I, I think I think it's great that many businesses are getting on board with this idea of sustainability, protecting the environment that surrounds us, that we can continue doing the business we've been doing with the with the pristine land that we have and the great grapes. So thank you for promoting that and bringing that to the fore for all of the businesses. And I find it interesting, you know, we talk about that with our customers, our guests often will mention about being a green certified winery. And that's why we, they might notice something at the winery, like the solar tubes that provide light for our cellar. You know, you don't have to turn on lights that the sunlight is just reflected down or we'll start talking about it. And, and most people think it's a great idea, but somehow the idea of protecting environment has become politically charged. It's a little beyond me why that is but a while back we had somebody actually get angry when we mentioned we were we were part of this program we were a certified green napa winery it's like don't talk to me about that i don't want to hear about it that's just a bunch of you know who we uh i don't know the commie pinkos are behind it you know that type of thing as an organization do you ever get any type of negative reaction to something that at least personally i find so positive it's pretty rare for us to hear anything negative about 
uh, our commitment to green and uh, to taking the best care of the land that we possibly can. In fact, one of the things that the Napa Valley Vintners agreed to a couple of years ago was that by the year 2020, all of our members will be in the Napa Green program. So we have an, a, a, an association-wide commitment to that concept. And I think for anyone who is familiar with or lives in the greater Bay Area and you see the the pressure in terms of housing and transportation and you know development that if we want to keep Napa Valley the special place that it is we have to continue to number one farm responsibly but number two ensure that the world understands the quality of the wines that are coming from here because if we can continue to create that that value and that understanding for Napa Valley wines then that's what keeps Napa Valley special it's what keeps people coming back and it's what will help us ultimately to protect this place yeah well thank you for being on the floor of protecting this place well, thanks for being certified <laughs> certified and certifiable and on and on and on no it's a pleasure we're, we're really happy to be a part of it and and proud you know we love to talk about it even once in a while if somebody, even when somebody not even once in a while once it. it's just once really <laughs> it was only once you mentioned your website you know we're getting short on time here so there's so many resources and so much information on the website let's let's briefly talk about that you can find at at napavintners.com you can find the napa valley rocks presentation you yes just google napa valley rocks it'll come up with a it'll bring you right to our website come up with a page beautiful videos about the napa valley the presentations are not even pdf just download them use them mm-hmm. show your friends and family it's a great resource to tell people all over the country and and your neighbors. Yeah, you, you know, a lot of people have so wine cool. groups, so they get together and drink wine together. And I'm sure they're going to have a Napa Valley night, maybe varietal specific. Who knows? But, you know, they're going to be talking about Napa Valley. And it's a fun thing they could do together is like, let's learn and someone could present it. So there's an idea for you listeners. We Check that out. We also hear from folks who work in Napa Valley in uh, the visitor serving industry, if they're hotel concierges or they're working at restaurants, that their customers are looking for recommendations. We have a terrific winery map and trip Yes, indeed. That can be found on the website so they can help make recommendations, um, you know, plan itineraries and share them with friends and guests. There's information about history. There's information for the community. Um, people can uh, see snapshots of fun things going on in the community. They can learn about our community events like Afternoon in the Vineyards and Morning in the Winery and the history, some of the things that Connor was talking about. So all kinds of info on the website. We hope people will take a minute and come check it out. Yeah, and I hope not just listeners, I hope, or excuse me, not just um, visitors who are listening, but local listeners will, Mm -hmm. because there's information from Auction Napa Valley that showcases where all those millions of dollars go. And guess what, folks? It stays right here in the community to great programs um it, it, it what am i trying to say gosh this i should be drinking wine what are you feeding me here this room well i was supposed help health was coming out <laughs> i think i need a little help in the health department right now but absolutely you know napa valley is an okay place to get sick these days because so much money goes to healthcare through giving through auction napa valley and it's a great and, place to raise your kids and it's yeah. a good yeah. and we talk a lot about environmental sustainability but visit the website and learn about auction napa valley to learn about the social sustainability side of napa i think it's just as compelling of a story good point good point and also if you're local check out the napa neighbors program if you want to go out and taste some wine and you're with some friends you know there's so many wineries that participate in this that if you show an id that shows you live in napa county you're going to get some perks. Each winery has something different, so check that out as well. That's right. I think there's more than 150 wineries that participate in that program now, so lots of variety of places to go and places to visit. 
Amazing. Yeah. Patsy, Connor, thanks for being here. I can't believe the time is gone. I just love talking about this stuff. And to me, it's just flown by. So we will talk again one of these days. And I sure appreciate you stopping in. Well, well thanks for you. having us. We normally drink wine, but the cocktails have been terrific. Yes. From the Winky Winky Grog Shop in the beautiful Napa Valley, this is Lauren My Time Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gilamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.